the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, episode number 143, with the author of Through the Storm of Early Trauma, a story of healing and overcoming, Bertie Lynn. I feel like once you truly forgive and you forgive yourself, you forgive others, then you can take the steps to move forward. And you have to speak the truth. Hi, this is Chris McClure, author of The Way to Greatness, The Five Continual Choices That Lead to the Great Life. You're on the Beyond Adversity Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, helping you to discover your promised life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Hello, good people. Welcome to Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller. This is the podcast where we seek to understand adverse conditions and how they can sideline our life and what we can do about it and how we can process our way through things like a divorce or depression or a death in the family or disease or perhaps debt. In this case today, we're going to be talking about the matter of early trauma in your childhood which impacts the rest of your life and what you can do about it. Our author guest today is Bertie Lynn, and we're going to talk in a few minutes about her book, Through the Storm of Early Trauma. Here on Beyond Adversity, we're here to help you to navigate adverse conditions and to overcome them and to come to a place of peace, prosperity, and purpose. At our website, drbradmiller.com, you can find lots of episodes of the podcast where we talk to experts and authors and teachers who help you to overcome adversity. You can go to Dr. Brad Miller to find those and find a gift for you there as well. Our guest today, Bertie Lynn, has dealt with lots of things in her life. And in her book, she talks about a troubled childhood. And she talks very honestly and forthrightly about neglect and violence and isolation and sexual trauma, and blatant racism, even suicidal depression. She goes through lots of stuff here. And we have a great conversation about this thing. But she talks about moments of hope and brightness and the processes that she used to take bold action to get through those things. And really, it's a voice of hope. And you're going to hear some great things here today from our author guest, Bertie Lynn. She blogs at BertieLynn.com. That's B-Y-R-D-Y. L-Y-N-N dot com. She is our special guest on episode number 143 of Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller. Let's get into that conversation right now. Bertie Lynn is the author of Through the Storm of Early Trauma. And just as the, the title indicates, she's going to share with us some really, really difficult things that she had to deal with in her life involving abuse, neglect, and violence, and isolation, and racism. And she's going to be talking about that. She comes to us as, from the, from the uh, world of real estate and technology and publishing. And uh, she her goal is to help to make a positive difference in people's lives. We welcome to the podcast, Bertie Lynn. Hello. Thank you for having me. Awesome. We really appreciate it. So glad to have you with us, uh, Bertie. Your uh, your story, I've uh, 
write a little bit about your story. Your story is very profound and it's going to be helpful to our audience, I know. And our audience is all about folks who have always had to, to deal with some form of adversity and yet they want to get through it. They don't want to be stuck anymore. Right. So the title of your book is Through the Storm of Early Trauma. So tell us a little bit about what uh, what led you to write this book, some of the experiences in your life which led you to this point in life. For sure. Um, and first of all, thank you, Brad, for having me on the show. I am honored and, um, you know, just glad to be here. Um, the, this, you know, what led me to write the book was a, a lot of encouraging <laughs> and, um, to, to share my story because I did not want to. And, um, you know, I'm a very private person. And I grew up um, as a minister's kid. And when my dad eventually got a pastoral position. And um, <clears throat> so I was un- always, things were kept in the family. And even if you were inside the family and you didn't agree with something, you were shut down and <laughs> you didn't yeah. have a voice. So um, th- it wasn't something that I, I didn't know I would ever write a book. But I think uh, there were provisions and things that just fell into place that um, that this happened. So, um, but I, I didn't realize a lot of these, you know, things that happened to me when I was younger, um, were following me, mm-hmm. um, that they were, I thought that because I wasn't dealing with them in the present, um, and that I didn't feel that they were affecting me, um, you know, through my twenties and my early thirties, um, I think as I started to get towards my late thirties, I started to kind of reflect a little bit on, on life and, you know, started to notice that things started to hit me. Mm-hmm. And so I began dealing with it in my own way. Do you mind sharing with us about how old you were when some of these events happened to you and with as comfortable as level as you feel, uh, what types of uh, trauma impacted your life? Yeah. So um, I was six years old when um, my older sister began molesting me, and that lasted for about a year, year and a half. Um, uh, and um, that that was turmoil, just dealing with um, accepting that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, I call it a lifestyle because I had to, you know, I was always in hiding. I was always um, uh, ashamed. I lost all confidence um, as a little girl. Um, I almost felt, it was almost as if I felt naked. So I was like, I remember one time, like I had clothes on, but I just feel like I didn't. Right. So um, I can relate to um, in Genesis where after Adam and Eve, take a bite of the apple what do they do they they all of a sudden realize that you know oh my gosh i'm naked and they try to you know close themselves and i think shame overcame them and exactly and that's what what overcame me as a little girl um and i didn't feel that i could connect with people how i had before so i lost that zeal Mm -hmm. um and that innocence wow and so in what ways you said that you thought you had kind of managed this into your 20s, into your 30s, but obviously something happened that somewhere along the line, something emerged or something 
manifested itself in your life. And so something must have happened to you in later life where these old memories began to impact you. Can you say something about, about that? Yeah. So I was actually having nightmares. Um, I would wake up in night sweats um, and uh, fear would grip me at night. Um, Now my oldest sister at this time, when this was occurring was in prison. There was no way she could come and get me, but I would wake up in night sweats thinking she was somewhere in the room ready to, mm-hmm. you know, attack. Um, and so I, I don't know, but th- those were the nightmares that I would always have. So would these wake you, were these like <laughs> night terrors would, you know, literally wake you up and you would uh, be you know, heart racing and all that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't go back to sleep. Um, I had a lot of an anxiety. Um, I had panic attacks. Um, so just literally, um, like shaking inside of, um, like just, I don't know if like, if you've ever been shivered and you're cold, it's kind of of felt like that on the inside with with the anxiety. So that started to get bad. And I remember I just couldn't take it anymore. And I picked up the phone and I talked to, um, my mom and I told her what happened and um, she didn't. Now, wait a second, just to hit the pause just for a second there. You, you told her, you told her what happened. Do you mean about the night terrors, that type of thing, or about what had happened to you earlier in life? Was she yeah. aware with you had happened earlier in life? Or was this a revelation to her when you were an adult? So just unpack a, that, unpack that yeah. scenario a little bit. Yeah. So it was a revelation to her and my father. Um because I was kept telling them I was having these, these nightmares and, and bad dreams. And they just didn't understand why. And they were like, Oh, we'll pray. And then finally, I was just like, you know, I just need to tell them because it was starting to, to weigh on me. Um, just dealing with the shame. Mm-hmm. So when I told my, my mom, she, um, didn't take the news quite well. She didn't understand why wouldn't I say something. And, I didn't know what to tell her. I'm just like, I was scared. Like I thought sure. that, you know, just all these things that you think when you're a little girl. Well, shame and fear are powerful, powerful uh, forces, yeah, aren't they? Is. And uh, no matter what age we are, but particularly when you're a l- little girl. Mm-hmm. So, wow. So was your trauma, your early childhood trauma, was it, so it obviously is impacting your relationship with your parents because you hid it from them for so long and then your night terrors and so on. Was it impacting any other relationships in your life, your work, your other relationships, anything else? Was it impacting how you functioned? I guess is what I'm getting at. Absolutely. Um, So I'm more, I think I was more in survivor mode in my my 20s. Um, I just kind of survived every day, right? I didn't, um, it was like I was living for my son. He's um, he's eighteen now. He'll be nineteen in March. But okay. I was like I was living for him, and I that's all I knew. Um, so with with I think like here and there, like when I had time to think about it here and there, I'd be I I didn't I didn't have very good relationships with with men. And I think I was, I was single for seven years in my twenties. Okay. I didn't date. Um, one of my friends thought I was a Muslim because when she met me, 
um, in my early 20s, I wore clothes that covered my whole body. I see. Like, okay. You know, so she, that, that was. Do you from, think this is a little bit of the shame and other things that are manifesting itself in how you dressed and relationship with men, this type of thing? Well, I was raped three times. Okay. Um, and uh, when I was 17. And so I didn't, I hated men. And I didn't want them to look at me. I didn't want a man. I hated my body. I felt ashamed that I was, um, that I had body parts that attracted people that would want to hurt me. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I, every time I would see a man, I'd, I'd lower my eyes or I wouldn't look or I'd avoid eye contact. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. you had abuse as a child and rape, ultimate abuse as a young woman. Wow. And so this impacted you in all these kinds of ways. And did you ever become, did you ever, yeah, you've described it in many ways, but did you ever find yourself kind of slipping into depression or perhaps even being, you know, wanting to hurt yourself and things like this? All the time. So um, depression is, depression is hard. Um, I, when, from the time that I was very outgoing, very outgoing. I remember when I was five, I just remember that I've never gotten back to that, you know, little girl that was outgoing and confident. And and I lost um, a lot of confidence, obviously, but I also withdrew. Mm -hmm. I withdrew inside, you know, and became introverted inside myself and in my, in my own thoughts. And that took over even more so after I was raped because I had just found my voice and then retreat and it went back in (laughs) wow so yeah i i um i spent a lot of nights um just by myself i'd play with my son as soon as he would go to bed i would cry you mind me asking about how old you were when your uh when your son came into your life yeah i was 19 okay well i was 20 i was 20 because we are exactly 10 years apart so so being a young mother on top of everything else, mm-hmm. you know, and so that became the focus yeah. of your life in many ways, didn't it? So, yeah. well, it, it's it. So all this stuff happened to you. So what did you do? How did you cope at all during those, during that time of your life? How did you even function? Well, I have to tell you, um, what is it? Is this when I was younger or um, you, as an adult? Well, let's just, let's, take a month for when you were younger how did you cope when you were younger so when I was younger um I found ways to um remain normal okay so I, I couldn't tell anybody I didn't know what you know I didn't know what to do and so I would play with my Barbie dolls I played with my Barbie doll Simone I had a favorite one and she was my best friend and I would talk to her and she knew everything. And so having Simone there, even though Simone can physically talk back to me, I would say the things that I knew I wanted to hear. And that's how I, I felt normal. Um, I also would, I was a gamer. I was okay. always playing Super Mario Brothers, Star Trek, you name it. Like I was lost in that. Okay. <laughs> so I found things to um i even found like coloring and like art like i found things to step outside of that mm -hmm. reality a little bit of a fantasy world uh distractions and various things yeah so when you're a little bit older what were some of the you're a teenager and in your 20s what were some of the coping and mechanisms that you used then 
sports. Like if I wasn't doing any of those outlets, I was running. Okay. I ran, I, I ran, I, I raced the kids in the neighborhood. I um, ran a track elementary, middle school, high school, you know, okay. I, I ran a little bit into college. So. All right. So we're, and we're talking about competitive running, yes. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So you, in that world, and you can, that involves, you know, some discipline and distraction and some focus in order to have mm-hmm. any success whatsoever. Yeah. But all this happened and you had dealt with your parents and you, your night sweats and so on, but you're at a different place now, aren't you? You're in a much better yeah. place and yeah. you wrote this book and now you're trying to be, you're not trying, you are being helpful to other people. So yeah. what happened? What kind of actions, what kind of things did you do to, for lack of a better terminology, to break out of this funk and to get you into a healthier state? What were some of the actions that you took? Yeah. So um, and I, I spell these actions out in my workbook, actually, um, because I wanted to really be transparent as to the process, because a lot of people hear, um, here's what happened, but they don't know how to move forward past what happened. So um, one of the things that I, I did is I recognized I was in pain. I recognized that there's a problem. And then I, you know, then I had to acknowledge it. When I'm being by acknowledged, because a lot of people are like, well, isn't recognize and acknowledge the same? It's not. Not for me, it wasn't. Um, I may have recognized that there was an issue, but did I want to face it and deal with it? No, I would run from it. And so once I recognized it and then I acknowledged, okay, this applies to me, then I was able to kind of like identify, okay, uh, let me identify where the, what's bothering me mm-hmm. um, and really digging deep inside myself. And then once I did that, it was understanding, you know, uh, understanding the why behind what happened. So at one point, like with my sister, I wrote her and confronted her and, you know, you did this and you hurt me. Why did you do this? So it wasn't just the inner work. There was actually some tangible outward focus work, you know, as you express yourself yeah. to your sister. Okay. I, I had to, to face her. I had to confront her because it bothered me. She, she really turned around my life when she did that and really kind of, um, you know, changed the person and, you know, that I, I was um, because it, it, it affected me. And so after I d- did that, I had to forgive myself. What I didn't realize is that I had been angry and mad at myself for not telling, mm. for not finding the strength to say something. And honestly, who would have known what to do, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, yes, it's easy to say, tell someone. <laughs> but mm-hmm. when you have pressures like, you know, I've watched my, watched my dad physically abusing my sister. I thought he would kill her if I, if I said something, you know? Okay. Um, so, it's so there was some legitimate that, fear and concern and all kinds of other family dynamic stuff going on here. So, yeah. yeah. So I had, I had to forgive myself and then forgive, forgive her and forgive the others, you know, even, um, in the rape, just for forgiving. So, mm-hmm. um, and then I feel like once you truly forgive and you forgive yourself, you forgive others then you can take the steps to move forward and you have to speak the truth. If you don't speak the truth, you don't 
I mean, get a journal, write it down and tell the truth in the journal or go to a counselor or go to your pastor or go, you know, to someone um, and say, this is what happened. Let me share my story. And you say the whole truth, don't hold back, because if you do, then you're still telling a part of the story and you'll never fully heal. And it's a vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. So once you do that, then you'll feel that burden left and you'll be able to find that freedom free from shame and be fearless and move forward. Yeah. And so you did also what I'm hearing, at least three or four very tangible things that you did. You did your inner work confronting your, you know, being honest with yourself. You wrote the letter to your sister. You did some journaling. You talked about talking to counselors and or pastors. So we're talking about practical steps people can take. And so, so let's talk a little bit more about that inner life a little bit in terms of, I believe people change when they not only can go to the inward through their own self identity and their own self uh, self processing, but also, uh, did you call upon any kind of higher power, spirituality, prayer, meditation, anything along this line, uh, to help you uh, have resources, the power to make these changes? And tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. When I was, I just I didn't know what to do, and I think you know. Um, you know, I, I don't know how much longer I could have lasted in the state that I was in um, when all the the sexual abuse was happening. And I just remember, um, is this what my life is going to be like? Is this what? <laughs> um, and I, I just remember wanting to, you know, and also craving time to like be with my dad and out of that environment, right? Because we hardly got a chance to spend with him being a pastor yourself, you know, that it takes study uh, time and, sure. you know, and so, um, you know, I remember, hey, can I walk with you? And he was like, you know, yeah. And we went for that walk and I saw this gorgeous sunset. And that's one thing I almost will always respect about my father is that he did not force God on us. Um, I knew God for myself and made that decision by myself. And um, I asked God when I finally started to question, I'm like, okay, so, you know, dad told me, you know, you're like all powerful, like you can do this and you can do that. And like, you know, um, and I'll never forget it. I'll, I'll even explain the moment I had my Barbie doll Simone sitting down and we were reading the Bible together and, and I just, I started crying and I just remember, I'm just like, God, please, please help me, help me. And I just remember that not too long after that, I gave my life to Christ, um, uh, Hanley Baptist church. And, um, you know, my dad baptized me. And shortly after that, like I kept, you know, having Bible study and praying and worshiping God and, and having, you know, that time and it weirded my sister out mm-hmm. and it weirded her out so much. She stopped, you know, forcing me to do things. And, and she just, it's like, she just got, you know, some an other distractions. Okay. And so it stopped. Well, you, that's awesome. You know, and that, that was a real manifestation of your calling upon that higher power in your life. And yeah, God for that. And you've mentioned some unhealthy relationships that you had and some, the dynamics that you had with your sister and some other folks, were there any healthy relationships, any 
community building, anybody else who came into your life? And how do you think about in terms of the importance of uh, healthy, loving and, and encouraging relationships and helping people transform and get healthy? Yeah. Um, so um, uh, I have a really good friend, um, my bestie, Tequoia. Um, she was there a day I tried to take, you know, take my life. Um, I tried to slip both my wrists and I just saw blood and I just kept scraping because um, the kids were teasing and taunting me and I didn't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she was there for me in the nurse's office that day. And her dad, who happened to be a pastor, came in and they kind of just took me in and, um, you know, loved on me. And I needed that because it really saved my soul. Um, and then, you know, I've had two other pastor's wives that, you know, saw the distress and knew a little bit more than other church members knew because of um, the relationship that their husbands had with my father. Mm-hmm. But they loved on me and protected me um, and helped me find my voice. Um, so um, those relationships were very meaningful and and impactful to me um, during those those times, although I couldn't be as honest, right, um, or as truthful with them about what I was really dealing with, um, they, you know, it, they could, they were inside, it, it, there was enough information that um, they were able to kind of put their arm around me and help mm-hmm. me. But part of that, you were received some um, um, healthy relationship and some healthy attention that mm-hmm. became a process of uh, helping you to navigate, you know, this, this drama and this trauma in your life. And so you've come to a better place. Now you've written this book, mm-hmm. you are offering things to other people, you're serving others now. Yes. So what would you say are some of the habits or disciplines or uh, processes that you lay out in your book or in your life that can be helpful to other people now who may have had, trauma or, you know, some sort of adversity in their life? What are some self-disciplines? Um, so I'd say, um, you know, God, first and foremost, like, I mean, I, I would not be able to do this without prayer and meditation and focus on the word, um, you know, and, and so, you know, that, that's one, but then another one is going to be loving, loving yourself, making sure that, you're taking time out for you, mm-hmm. um, whatever it is. Um, Can you give an example of what that, what that means for you to love yourself? So I had to learn to start loving myself by giving myself time. I was all, I was a busybody okay. because I was making sure that I was doing this and that and I'm involved in this and that and volunteering here and there. And it was to avoid me. And so <laughs> When I stopped avoiding me and started paying attention, it was either that that nice bubble bath with, you know, candles and just reading a book. Right. Or it was, you know, sitting down and watching a movie I've always wanted to watch or, you know, just doing whatever it is that I wanted to do and not for any particular reason, but just to be happy mm-hmm. and do it awesome. and thank God that I was able to do it. When you do that, it, you just, it feels good, you know? Okay. Well, just kind of bring this thing full circle. You've written this book. Who's this book for? And if someone picks it up, if I refer this book to someone, what are they going to find there? That's going to be 
helpful to them? So this book is my, you know, it's my target audience is women, um, you know, 30 to, to 50, but really trauma hits everybody, but I have to narrow it. Of course. <laughs> I have to narrow it, you know, but, um, you know, that's my target audience just because, you know, I, I am a woman. I can't say I can relate to, um, you know, a man and what he would go through, mm-hmm. but as a woman, um, I feel as though, um, I owe it to another woman to say, Hey, um, unfortunately I've experienced these things. Well, if you, if you, if you impact a 30, if you impact a 35 year old woman, it impacts her husband and kids and other people too. So, exactly. you know, that's part we're talking about here. So, yeah. yeah. And, and, and they're not alone. Uh, sh- I think shame and fear make you feel as if you're alone and you're not. Um, so if you're you're experiencing trauma you're, or you had past trauma in your life, know that that past trauma didn't go anywhere unless you took the necessary steps for it to leave. Um, otherwise, it's just hanging in the background, compartmentalized until you, you know, make the um, purposeful movement. Um, and it's, it's a very cathartic moment that you, you know, would have to continue to address it it's 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 you're going to cry you're going to be angry you're going to be upset you're going to experience all these emotions but mm-hmm. if you yeah. have any do you have any experiences from people that uh, may have read your book or that you've worked with personally i'd like to hear a good news story if i can or maybe someone who's yeah. been influenced uh, by your work well it's just i will say there i mean it's I haven't heard too much yet besides, um, you know, I've had like my, one of my old pastors read it, um, one of my, my, my friends and you know, a few friends and they've come back and they're just like, I, I didn't, I didn't even know, you know, and it's just like, I'm, I'm so, you know, they're like, they're sorry, but then they're like, but this is amazing. Um, there was someone who told me they couldn't put the book down. And the reason why was because, they had to know, like, the next thing that I guess that I mentioned that I was going through was like, how did she get through this one? It's like, I never, they told me I never, like, like, I just kept, I, some, it's like I would get knocked down, but I would get right back up and keep finding a way to keep going. And I, I didn't, I guess me living my life, <laughs> I didn't really look at that, you know, like it, you know, from that perspective, but I can tell you. I was a survivor. So I always knew that I'm going to get through this moment. I'm going to power through this moment, no matter what you can tell me, no, this can happen, but you know, no way I'm not giving up anymore. You Mm -hmm. know, what a, what a witness to your readers and the other people that you can serve. And because here's what we do know, Bertie, on my own, I've been in ministry for 40 years and, and uh, worked with my share of people who've had abuse of many of too much early early yeah. in their life and throughout their life. And it's a huge need. It's a huge common experience and it's underneath the surface in so many ways. Like you mentioned, it was, you know, kind of erupted once in a while in, you know, in your life. I think really, I think it's not an uncommon thing for it to be submerged and come out in some, mm-hmm. un, you know, sometimes in some really tragic ways. And so thank you for writing this book and tell people a little bit more about how they can get your book and find out more uh, about you if they want to learn more about how you your book and your your life can serve them 
Absolutely. Um, so you can find me on birdieland.com. So that's B as in boy, Y R D as in dog, Y L Y N N.com. And on there um, will be all my social media handles. So I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and, and LinkedIn. And, um, you know, I have a blog on there. I have, um, uh, we have like swag gear. Um, I have a, a logo that I created um, with uh, uh, one of my art, uh, graphic artists, Katie Cousins. She's awesome. Um, it's a it's a woman's face, but it's all connected. So if you look at it, she started at one point and didn't let up until the butterfly's antenna. Mm. And so I thought that was just amazing. But yeah. that's on there. The um, I developed a workbook through the Storm of Early Trauma workbook that is just take a deeper dive to process your feelings. Awesome. Um, you know, something I wanted to feel um, as a warm embrace, as if I'm there like with you so well that's that's great thank you for sharing that we'll put the yeah. links the links to that in our show notes at drbradmiller.com you've been our guest here today on beyond adversity i would like to leave folks with this quote from you that i think is a good one and it's from uh, your book it says the next chapter of your life is going to be the best chapter of your life because your breakthrough of empowerment begins now so Bertie lynn thank you for your empowering words here today and for being our guest on Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller. What a great story of overcoming and healing and power and the power of hope. Our author guest today on Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller was Bertie Lynn, the author of Through the Storm of Early Trauma. I loved the quote that she has that I would ask you to take as a takeaway today when she talks about what it means to get through the storm of early trauma. She said, the next chapter of your life is going to be the best chapter of your life because your breakthrough of empowerment begins now. She blogs at birdylyn.com, B-Y-R-D-Y-L-Y-N-N.com. And you can follow up with her there and in our show notes at drbradmiller.com. There you can also find lots of back episodes of the podcast with lots of other great authors and teachers like Bertie Lynn who speak into your life to help you to overcome adversity and to achieve peace, prosperity, and purpose. We've got a free gift for you there as well. My pleasure to serve you. My name is Dr. Brad Miller. Until next time, I want to encourage you to make a promise and keep a promise to yourself and to others because there's power in a promise kept.